If you're looking for inspiration and challenge in the world of early years and Key Stage 1 education, then you've just found it. Welcome to the Early Excellence Podcast. Do you have wordless books within your classroom provision? Do you use wordless books to support children's language development and storytelling skills? In this episode of the Early Excellence podcast, we explore and review some great wordless books to help you get started. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about wordless books. And I think there's real value in using wordless books in the early years. And often, I think, as early years teachers and Key Stage 1 teachers, we can forget the value in wordless books. With this real shift towards reading and this big focus on getting children reading um, in the early years, I think we're quick to move children onto books with text, aren't we? Um, and sometimes those wordless books can be lost and we might forget the value um, in using those wordless books. So today we're going to be looking at wordless books. We're going to be sharing um, some different wordless books that you might wish to use in your early years in Key Stage 1 classrooms. And we're also going to think about the benefits of those wordless books. So getting children thinking creatively, allowing children to really form their own interpretation or their own narratives around a storyline. And we're also going to think about the real value within um, wordless books and the strength of the illustrations and what the illustrations can actually provide for children because they support children with inference skills, support them with the ability to be able to predict what might happen next and obviously all that creativity that comes with that as well. So Andy, I think you've got a wordless book to start us off with, haven't you? I have indeed. I have got a book, a fantastic book called Hike. Um, it's by Pete Oswald. And I thought we'd start off by having a look at the blurb. The blurb on the back, it says this. It says, in the cool and quiet light of morning, a father and child wake up. Today, they're going on a hike. And this book's beautiful. It's, it's beautifully illustrated. On the cover, you've got the words in capitals. You've got hike in capitals. But each letter has an illustration in each letter. So you've got um, a father and son going on a hike together, spending time together in the outdoors. Um, it's a fantastic book. It's a walker, um, a walker book. So from, from Walk, the publishing company Walker. And when we open the book, it, as, we, as you were just saying, it's a wordless book and it's got rich illustrations. So even on the title page, you've got the, in the early morning, the sun coming up and the boy and his father at home. You can just see the house from the outside and the car parked on the drive. And when you start the book, the first page shows uh, who we assume is the father, the dad, waking up the son uh, who is asleep in bed. And there's this fantastic illustration of the boy's bedroom. And he's obviously uh, a bit of an outdoors fanatic. He's got posters on the wall of 
different uh, different things. So there's a compass and mountains, and there's drawings that he that it seems that he's that he's drawn of wildlife, bumblebees and flowers. There's a picture of a tent. There, there's his coat and his backpack hanging up and his helmet as well. And it looks like he's got things ready for going out for the day. So he's got walking boots, a torch, a camera. He's got non-fiction books ready to go. He's got a map ready to go. He's got all sorts of things that he's all set to use. And interestingly, just in the corner of the picture, there's a trowel and a what looks like a kind of a like a specimen jar or like a like a glass tube. And in it, there is a kind of a small sapling, so a small fir tree next to a book of that's, that just says how to plant a tree. And so dad wakes him up and then on the next page, the little boy rubs his eyes, wakes up and jumps out of bed, waking the cat up as well. The cat that was lying on the bed, waking the cat up. He's obviously excited. Now, just on that first page, there's such a lot to talk about. You know, why is he excited? What is he looking forward to doing? Why do you know that? Why do you think that? What is it that they're going to do together? Will it be just the, the dad and the little boy going on a walk together, maybe? Will they, where will they be going? Is it near to their home? Is it far away? Talking about the children's own experiences, have they ever been out on a hike, been out on a walk? And then the next few pages are about them getting ready to go. So him putting on his jacket and his woolly hat, putting all of the things that he needs into his, into his backpack, including the, the little sapling of the fir tree. And they get into the, into the car, they load up the car and off they go and they leave the city so you can see the skyline changing and you can see in the background the cityscape as they wind along these uh, long hilly roads in the car and eventually get out in a very different landscape. So in a landscape which is, is covered in trees, is hilly, has mountains in the distance. And you can see them looking, looking ahead to where they're going to be going. They're going to be climbing the mountains in the distance. And when you look closely at the illustrations, the illustrations are full of detail. And that's what I really like about this book. So there are birds and birds' nests with eggs in. There's a fox hiding behind a tree. There are different trees. And it's beautifully illustrated so that you've got all of that detail to discuss. And the little boy finds things, so he looks closely through his binoculars at some deer in the distance. He finds, a, he finds a ladybird and looks closely through a magnifying glass. He finds some footprints and identifies that they might be a bear's footprints. And as they climb, climb higher, it gets colder and they find some patches of snow and throw snowballs at each other. So there's real attention to detail here all very much just through the, the illustration. So there's a little bit where the, where the father and son, or we assume they're father and son, walk, walk across a river over a fallen tree, like a bridge. And the little boy, you can see through the illustrations, 
is unsure about this, he's afraid, he's not sure about it at all, that he needs some support from his dad. He, they reach out to reach for one another across this fallen tree uh, and then give one another a hug when they make it to the other side. It's a book that although you haven't got the print, I feel, I feel that through the illustrations, you really get to know this relationship between the boy and his, and his dad that you're, you're looking at their facial expressions. You're, you're, I think, appreciating that this is a special thing that they do together. And then as the pages go by, they climb up some rocks. So they put on a helmet so they can climb on rocks. They get to their highest point where they're as high as the birds and they look out across the valley. And then they point to the, the father, they get the map out and they point to a, a uh, a small wood along, so along a, a path, there's a small wood of fir trees and they stop and they get out the, uh, the sapling of the tree and they get it out and they, they dig a little hole and they plant the tree in amongst this wooded area and then they set up the camera and they take a photograph of themselves planting the tree. And it's not explained why it is they're planting this tree and why they've gone on this special journey. I, I think that's, that's really interesting. And a bit like you were saying, Luella, that I think with picture books, there's such a lot that you can gain from it in terms of inference. Mm. That I think you can... You, it's unexplained as to whether they're planting this in memory of somebody that used to come on the walks with them or whether that's just something they set out to do because they were interested in doing it. I think, in a way, what I like about wordless books is that sometimes you are left with more questions than answers and that actually, more than, more than printed books, there's a, there are there's subtle inferences that lead you to having discussions and conversations. And so that's towards the end of the book and then you get the, the journey back home and back to the city, which is now where it's now night time. It's taken all day to, to go on their, on their hike, on their trek. And they, get, they come back home and they get the family album out and they have a look at the family album. And it's that, it's, it's a beautiful kind of shared experience. Um, it says on the back, the New York Times said that this is as soothing as a walk in the woods. And I think certainly it would be a great book to share with a group of children, um, perhaps before or after a walk that you might do, that if you're walking to the park or, or a local area or looking at um, natural things, finding different things. I think there's such a lot you can get from this. I think you could also very easily pick out one page from this book or one illustration and then photograph it and put it on your interactive whiteboard and use it as a, as a discussion point. You know, what do we know about the characters? What, what, why are they, what, how do you know that? You know, what do those facial expressions tell you? Um, I think it leads to so many literacy skills, really. So, so many literacy skills can be developed really without the words, I think. I think the words are, of course, great for learning to read, but reading, reading the text is only one part of reading, isn't it? That actually there's such a lot of understanding that we need to gain from discussing and having ideas around a text. And I think a wordless book like this, I think, I think 
provides those opportunities really. So yes, yeah, so that's that's my first book, Hike. Um, you were having a look at this one earlier on, weren't you, Luella? What did what did you think? I was, and and I was just going to say actually, Andy, that I think you make a really good point there about um, the opportunity to really pose some thought provoking questions to the children, um, and that's what I like about about that book, Hike. I think it allows children to really talk and explain their own interpretations or talk about their emotions and their relationships with their family and what they like to do at the weekend. And I think that that's really powerful, isn't it? And often with books that have words in them or text, I think sometimes those opportunities um, don't present themselves as easily as as the book that you've just described as. Um, and it sounds like a lovely read. I think it would be a, a really nice link to understanding the world and PSED as well. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely agree with you there around asking questions and, and letting the book do that part for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you've got a, a kind of a similar book in that it's another wordless book there, haven't you? You've got Flood. I've got Float. It's called Float. But Flood would be another good name for it, Andy, because it does, it is very focused on um, a storm, actually. So the book is called Float and it's it's a beautiful wordless book. I think you you know, we're both using that word beautiful when we describe the illustrations, aren't we? But I think that really does show um, how powerful the illustrations are in these wordless books. And I think if you are going to use wordless books with young children, look for those that have really powerful illustrations that, that do tell the story on their own. Um, and with this book, Float, there actually isn't a blurb on the back, but as you open the first page, it just says, a boy, a boat, a rainy day, an adventure and I think that summarizes this book um, really well actually and on the front page you've got the title float and then you've got this beautiful picture of um, a huge rain puddle and the rain coming down and you've got a little boy in his yellow rain suit with his boots on and his hat and he's floating a paper boat so it's a beautiful front cover. And as you open up the book, the first two pages show you different ways of folding a piece of paper to make a boat. So I think we already know what this book's going to be about. And I think also it's nice because it might tie in with something the children have done themselves at home with family members, where they might have done a bit of origami or paper folding. Um, and it's a nice way to hook those boys in as well, I think. So in this book, as you said before, Andy, the illustrations just speak thousands of words without actually saying anything. And on the first page, you've got just a picture of a newspaper and you've got hands on the newspaper and you can see that it appears to be um, this little boy with perhaps his mum or his dad and they're showing him how to fold paper. So it's that experience that some of the children might have had at home or if they haven't, you might be doing that with them in the setting, showing them how to fold paper to make different things. So the boy creates a paper boat out of a newspaper 
and he the expression on his face is beautiful he's absolutely thrilled you can see this and he puts on his yellow raincoat yellow hat and yellow boots and off he goes with his boat outside to explore now the the illustration starts to tell a picture here so the sky becomes dark and the rain starts to come down and you can see the boy's looking a little bit apprehensive he's not sure what's going to happen but he quickly realises he needs to cover up his paper boat so that it doesn't become soggy. So you can see him putting his paper boat under his coat and off he goes and the downpour comes and the rain's torrential and you can see him walking in it. Now he comes across a giant puddle that's obviously being created by the rain and he gently puts his paper boat down into the puddle and he watches it as it floats. And you can see the fascination on his face. And then as you turn the page, the sheer joy, he's jumping in the air. And it's beautifully illustrated in the sense that you can actually see the movement of the boy across the pages. So he's jumping up in the air, down into the puddle, and he's got this paper boat, and he's really enjoying his experience in the rain. He then sees a stream, um, so like a, a storm drain, I guess, against the pavement where a stream is quickly um, being created due to the rain. And the flooding has started and that drain is, is spilling over. And the little boy bends down and he puts his paper boat into that stream um, and off it floats. Now you see him looking at the boat as it floats and then you start to see the boat floating away. And obviously his expression changes then. He's starting to look worried as he sees the boat sail past the houses and he can't keep up with it. And he's chasing and running after it. And it's becoming darker in these pictures now as well, which I really like because the illustrations, I think, really support um, children's inference around how the boy might be feeling because the pages start to become darker as he starts to become more anxious and worried. And off the boat sails across the zebra crossing and he's lost it. He can't see where the boat's gone. And then suddenly the boat falls down a drain and the page turns really dark and you can just see the boy reaching into the drain, trying to grab hold of that boat as it floats away. And then you see a very sad little boy who's looking over the bridge, looking for his boat, perhaps. Or maybe he's just feeling sad and he's he's leaning over the bridge. And then he sees it. And I think that's really nice. He sees the paper, the piece of newspaper come floating out of a drain pipe and down the river. And he gets a big stick and fishes it out. And he's looking really sad as he holds up his soggy bit of paper that no longer resembles a boat and he walks home and he looks sad as he sees his dad who gives him a big hug and then his dad dries him off dries his hair for him and gets him into some clean clothes pours him a hot chocolate and they sit down together to make something new out of the newspaper and what that boy then creates is a paper aeroplane and then I imagine the adventure will start all over again. But it's just such a lovely book, Andy. I really like it. 
I think you could do so much with this. You could talk about the character's emotions. You can talk about that relationship that the boy has with that bit of paper and why it's so important to him, perhaps because he's learned a new skill. Um, but it also provides that conversation around perseverance and challenge and that self-regulation element as well, I guess. And I think it's really nice because as a teacher here now, there's a real opportunity, isn't there, to talk about what could we make out of paper? What might we make in the workshop area? And actually, if you shared this book in the morning, at the start of a session, children could then go off and do that in the provision if they wanted to as well. So I think it's a really lovely book. Um, is this one you've read before, Andy? Um, yes, just over the last, only in the last week or so. Um, but yes, um, it's, it is a great book. I think there's a real, there's a real depth to it. You know, in, in that um, you could, as you say, I think you could share that with your children, not just at story time, but actually earlier on in the day. And then, you know, particularly on a rainy day, you know, talking about actually what, what could we have outside? Could we, could we make or create that could float? That where you know where we could make our own boats, you know what would be what would be good material to make a boat out of, you know all of those sorts of different challenges. I also think as well that it's the the picture books both both that particular book float and and also um, hike as well, both have such a lot of detail there that mean that actually you could access these books or use these books with different age ranges really. That it wouldn't have to be just with your early years class. Actually, key stage one children, I think, would gain a lot from this text. And, and interestingly, even, you know, going up to sort of year five or year six, that actually using wordless books with older children is quite interesting that they notice different things. They notice different details. They make different in inferences from, from, the, from the book itself, from the illustrations. Um, a long time ago, there used to be the, um, I don't know whether you'd remember, but there used to be in the in SATs um, at year six, there, there was a resource that people used to use, which was a, um, it was a short film clip, like an animation called The Pianist. I don't know whether yes. you've ever seen it. Have you seen that? Yes, yeah. I have, I have. And it was the most powerful thing because, because I think... Lots of year six teachers were then using what was basically a wordless text. And it was, it was kind of an animation, but basically the same kind of idea. And really getting into that real depth of thinking about, well, why is he playing the piano in that way? You know, what, what's it making him think of? Mm -hmm. You know, that, that sort of thing, really getting into the mind of the character it, rather than looking at the, the words on the page necessarily in quite the same way. Absolutely. I think I think Flotsam by David Wisner was one that a lot of Key Stage 2 teachers um, choose to use if they do choose to use wordless um, books. And I think Flotsam is a, is a traditional um, wordless book that's often used. But actually, David Wisner has lots of other wordless books that are suitable for Key Stage 1 and early years as well. So he's definitely one to check out. Um, I'd, I'd suggest having a look at his book. He does, I think, one called Mr. Wuffles. Um, which I don't know if you've read that, Andy, but it's a lovely wordless book. No, I don't um, know that one. Yeah, no, it yeah. sounds good. It is good. It is good. So David Wisner, definitely worth checking out. Um, no, I know Flotsam, but I don't know, I don't know the other one. No, interesting. Yeah. I think it's, it certainly seems like a growing market. 
that there are there are now more wordless books around um that um at one point it seemed like not that long ago that that the go-to wordless book would be rosie's walk yeah you're familiar with that one yeah which is a bit of a classic um and it's great and well worth using but it was almost like it stood on its own really as a wordless Mm -hmm. book and then flotsam came along and then others came along too and certainly at the moment it feels like that there are more and more and they're they're of a really good they're often they're of a really good quality um so yeah i've i've got another book actually um which is this one here called dandelion's dream um and it's by yoko tanaka and it's a really interesting book in that it is as it as the title suggests it is dreamlike um, it's quite difficult to explain in a way on, on the podcast, but I'll do my best. Um, it features a character called Dandelion that in a typical dreamlike way is a dandelion as in the flower. But within this book, as you go through the book and it introduces the dandelion and the flower of, of dandelion, in a dreamlike way, this dandelion becomes a character which is more of a lion and dandelion crossed over. And as I say, the illustrations are very dreamlike. They're beautifully done in that there's a sort of um, subtlety to it where it's almost hazy. The character's going off into this hazy dreamlike sequence where Dandelion spots a train in the distance. So it starts off on the, in the fields of Dandelions and then in the distance there's a steam train. And... This dreamlike sequence begins with Dandelion on the train and then Dandelion going through the fields of sheep and then noticing the ships on the sea in the distance. And each step of the way, there's something else happening in the distance that Dandelion is drawn towards. So it's a good text, I think, for predicting what might happen next. So Dandelion falls off the train, he lands onto onto a sheep, onto the, the soft back of a sheep then notices ships at sea and goes out across the sea and then notices a city in the distance. And then in the next illustration, Dandelion is there, this small character in amongst all of the feet of of people walking down a busy city street. And Dandelion is there, look, now the, the kind of the tone changes, he feels a bit lost. He's not sure about the city. He doesn't, he seems very alone and spots a cinema and sees the bright lights of a cinema, walks in and this lifts his mood and he, he sees, a, sees children on the screen playing with toy aeroplanes and his mind, I think, wanders again. And in the next page, he's riding an aeroplane. He's, he's on an aeroplane. Like, a, like an old-fashioned biplane kind of aeroplane, over the city and back out across the fields where he started. And then as the book comes to an end, he's back to being a dandelion again, but this time not the flower, but the dandelion clock. So with, a, with all of the seeds, the hundreds of seeds. And on the last page, you see all of these seeds dispersing. So you see the wind blowing the seeds from the dandelion clock and flowing off almost into another dreamlike adventure. So, again, a beautiful book, 
um, really illustrated in, as I say, quite a dreamlike way, very hazy kinds of illustrations and not much colour. I like the way that it's done. And it, it, the book is basically made up of blacks, greys and yellows. And so the illustrations really stand out, really quite vibrant. You know, the way where you do get the bright yellow, the bright yellow of the dandelion stands out amongst the grey and the charcoal of the different illustrations. So probably more simple in terms of the book itself, I would say on the face of it, than, than hike or float, but a perfect, a perfect wordless book, I think, for developing storytelling language, talking about what happens next, mapping out a story, thinking about character, thinking about feelings of characters. There is quite a depth there, but actually it's, a, it's again a book that you could use with very young children or older children and really be able to draw out different things there. So yeah, again, another book that I would recommend, um, Dandelion's Dream by Yoko Tanaka. Um, and it, again, is on Walker Books. It's by Walker Books, published by Walker. Okay, so, so yeah, I would certainly recommend that one as well. Have you, have you seen that one before? I have. I haven't used it with children, but actually I would love to because children are always fascinated by dandelion clocks, aren't they? Um, and I think they often do ask those questions. Where is it going? Why do some seeds blow in one direction and others in another? And actually to really get their imaginations going. That's such a lovely book, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's a great book. I, I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. If you were, if you were going, just to put you on the spot, if you were, if we were saying we're going to pack you off to a desert island, you're only, you can only choose one of the books that we've shared this morning, which one would you go for? Oh, that's a hard one, Andy. Um, <laughs> I think um, I really like The Sound of Hike. I think it gives a real opportunity to talk about so many different things. You've got understanding the world in there. You've got PSED. You've got emotions. You've got a whole host of different things and I think what I really like about it is that the the illustrations really support the thinking don't they they would allow it that book would allow children to create their own narrative and see themselves in that book um so I think that would be it for me what about you which one would you choose um I, I agree with you in terms of hike um but if if you've gone for hike I'll go for for float I think um, in in the, the the detail there, in a similar kind of way, I think really stands out. I think I think there is such a lot that you can gain from just the illustrations, um, and like we said at the beginning, I I think quite often, quite often we don't focus in enough on the storytelling skills and language that we can gain through sharing wordless books like this. And I, I think floaters of of a really high quality, really. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I would go for float. I think it's the sort of thing that you could probably use the same book on multiple occasions and gain different things from it each time. That different children will see different things. They'll, see, they'll notice different details and pick out different things that connect with them in certain ways. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? I, th I do think that, that on the whole, we, we sometimes see wordless books as as a stage to go past yeah. and as soon as we get as soon as we get onto the word reading we're onto the proper reading mm -hmm. and the wordless books have kind of had their day at that <coughs> excuse me had their day at that point and we kind of don't need them anymore 
Um, and I think certainly sometimes parents, there's a pressure from parents that parents, if, if children are bringing home a wordless book, it's it, the kind of there's, there's, there's sometimes that sort of feeling that there's pressure that, you know, when are they going to bring home a proper book kind of thing. And I understand that. But at the same time, I do think it's important to share with parents the kind of the importance of actually what's our role as an adult when we're sharing a book like this you know what do we need to model what do we need to scaffold what what do we need to notice in terms of the details what conversations can we be having because that in itself is a real skill I think so I, I certainly think when when working with with school staff with teachers on reading skills and uh, developing reading skills I often will will focus in on on wordless books and talk about that idea of, of working with your parents on, on actually if your child brings home a wordless book, what is it that we're going to notice? Or if, if, you are bringing, if your child's bringing home a picture book with, with limited text, to not just focus in on the text, but really notice the importance of the illustrations that they tell a story also. Sometimes a conflicting story, which is quite interesting. So yeah, it's that it's that level of detail that I think is so important. I think I think as well, Andy. Sometimes it comes back to confidence, doesn't it? Um, our confidence as practitioners, but also parents' confidence to share wordless books because they take a lot of brain power. <laughs> um, especially if we are narrating the illustration, it's not as easy to to narrate a wordless book as it is to pick up a a book with text and read. But actually. We need to develop that confidence and instill that confidence in ourselves and in the parents that we're working with. Because as, we, as we've talked about today, there is real value in wordless books for so many reasons. Um, and I think confidence plays a big part in whether we choose to use them or we don't. Yeah, but I, I also think that, that, that wordless books, I think, are powerful for children. Children who are not yet at the stage where they are perhaps decoding can be still developing all sorts of literacy skills that that actually one part of learning to read shouldn't hold the rest of learning to read back I think and so I would certainly I, I always recommend to early years teachers that within their book area there should be a collection of wordless books so a variety of wordless books as well as poetry and rhyme and familiar books that the children will hopefully know already and alongside that other kinds of non-fiction books and, and you know that full range but part of that full range really needs to be wordless books as well I think. Which just about brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you again for listening. Now, if you're interested in purchasing any of the books that we've talked about within this episode, um, I'll just go through those titles again for you so you can find them. Um, they are Hike by Pete Oswald, Float by Daniel Myeres, and Dandelion's Dream by Yoko Tanaka. Each of the books that we've reviewed and explored are available from Early Excellence, so you can come here to the centre to make those purchases. They're also available within our collections of books that are available online. And that's about it for this week, so thank you again for listening, and we will see you next week. <laughs>